This is the Chad Little Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you here. My guest is the owner of Small Town Broadcasting in Valdosta, Georgia. That includes Talk 92.1, WDDQ, Fox Sports Radio Valdosta, 96.1 FM, 1150 AM, and other stations in other markets. He's also currently the mayor of Valdosta. Mr. Mayor, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Chad Whittle, how you been, buddy? Uh, I've been busy. Busy, oh, busy, sorry, busy. Do- Dr. Whittle, how, how have you been? Well, that's one reason I've been busy, earning my PhD. Then I got married. I'm living in Milledgeville now. We have a baby on the way. So life Saw that is busy. Too. Plus it's 2020. It's kind of, kind of neat to have somebody come through your your building and then uh, kind of follow their, I followed your academic career and now I'm going to follow the rest of your career and life and baby and fatherhood. Well so, done. Thank you. It's, it's a, it's a lot happening at once, but I love, I love it. I wouldn't not want it any other way. <laughs> I, I like being busy and, and accomplishing things and not just sitting on the couch. That's not fun. Yeah, obviously I do too. Uh, let's see. Uh, morning talk show host, radio station owner, mayor. You're a little busy as well in 2020. Yeah, I got asked a thousand times during the campaign whether I was going to be able to keep up the show. Um, I said with confidence, yes, because it obviously pays my bills as well um, in life. But I don't know that I was all that confident. It, it's turned out that six to nine and getting up at 350 like I do every morning. Um, six to nine interferes with next to nothing. There's an occasional airport authority meeting that I might have to cut out for at eight o'clock, but it's been it's been very easy to keep my my morning show going. And and then I'll give you a, a little revelation. I'm former publisher of the Valdosta Daily Times for the last what dozen or so years, um, Jeff Masters left the Times October second, and he is now my station manager, sales manager, all, all, all everything. So that's going to be a that's going to be a huge. Well, it was a huge get. That's great. So that takes a little bit of the pressure off of you trying to run the radio stations from day to day while running the city of Valdosta, you know, representing Valdosta as mayor. Correct. I, I fast realized how all-consuming the, the, city, the city of Valdosta post was um, and how all-important the other was. So that was the, that was the uh, necessity and actually luck um, for, for getting a guy like Jeff Masters. What made you interested in running for mayor in addition to owning radio stations and hosting a morning show? Um, uh, town needed me, and I thought I thought that for about the last two decades. Um, time just wasn't right. Twenty years ago, I, I did practice politics by accepting a post and uh, an appointment first to the uh, Remerton City Council, finding out I had a knack for it. So I ran for another four years and did that. I did six total there and two years as mayor pro tem. Walked away from it all for, what, about, I don't know, 17, 18 years. And then it was just time. Um, John Gale was sitting before me being interviewed one day saying he wasn't running again. Um, I didn't hear of anybody I, I had a confidence in stepping up, and turned out there was five of us in that race. Um, and, and now, what, 10 months in, um, I, I'm thrilled it was me that, that, that was sitting here during all, all that's been thrown at us in 2020. Yeah, for those listening that may not know Scott or myself, I used to work for him in Valdosta at Small Town Broadcasting, but Scott has been involved in the Valdosta community for as long as I've known him and before. 
He's really 30 years. 30 years. Yeah, I mean, he has really been out there, not just on the radio, but at community events, really supporting the city of Aldosta. Uh So this is not someone that's just all of a sudden supporting the city because they want to run for mayor. He's really been out there in the community, serving the community on the radio and off air as well. And Chad, 750 guests a year I put through that studio, um, any given charity, any given um, business, any given government um, and government officials. So the learning curve was very, I got to, I got to figure there's never been somebody stepping into this office in, in January of a new term, having an easier learning curve. I'd had the county government in with me for uh, about 15 years. Um, every other Monday, I had the city government in with me for 15 years every other Friday. Um, and when you dive into their business and when you grill them uh, on that, with that kind of regularity, there's just no surprises when you're sitting in this desk, shy of 2020. 2020 has thrown, thrown some surprises at all of us. Yeah, you really got into office in a very interesting time, 2020, with coronavirus. That's probably added to your responsibilities. Yeah, and I'll give you a quick timeline. I'll try and keep it to about a minute so we can talk radio instead of politics. But uh, I got we finished counting the provisional ballots on December 5th. And on December 6th, I got the call that we had a 7.5 million gallon sewage spill. So that was that was the kickstart. We rolled into the new year toward the end of the year, excuse me, before I even stepped in and got sworn in. We lost public transit. What little we had, we had kind of that modest uh, mids transit van that used to run people urban urban to rural. Um, we lost that by contract and by by uh, funding. So we're about to launch public transit um, here in the next two weeks. Um, the first ever in the city of Aldosta that wasn't just something that that uh, that was a uh, kind of government necessity as well. Um, we ran into a coaching controversy out at the, the high school that spilled into the community and got ugly. Um, we ran into some uh, racial unrest in 2020 as well. Um, all, all the while, we were learning about something called COVID-19, um, February, March, April, and starting to move on that. So it, it, it has been a challenge. So have you for, been busy since the beginning? Yeah, since since day one. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was in the mountain. I was in the mountains uh, two days left in the year. I was in the mountains and got the call that the, the transit was not going to carry carry me through till October, till I can get my own transit done for the city of Alasta. So I had two days' notice, basically, that that people's lifeline to anything from dialysis to otherwise was being cut off. Wow, two days. We've done it. We have done a great job scrambling Alasta's first ever transit service. Um, that's about to launch a group called VIA, and uh, it'll be the Valdosta City tra- Transit powered by VIA, and we're going to start with uh, like the specific vans at that level and then work our way up. Well, speaking of politics, I, I want to talk radio as well. Much more fun than yes, talking politics. But we have a big election coming up Tuesday. What are your plans for small-town broadcasting to cover the election? Boy, if, if I can pull off my schedule that I got for Tuesday, I'll I'll be impressed. I got um, a work session for city council at 5.30. At 6.30, I'm a guest on Cheryl Oliver's show called Broadstroke. She's going to talk to me about the community and politics and, and the election. And then we roll right into 7 o'clock. I'll, I'll escort her out of the, uh, the studio, and we'll go 7 until midnight with our election return show, Colonel Paul Nagy and myself and a, a big old cast of others. Um, 
and then we'll get uh, Senator Purdue and uh, John Eunice and some of the others um, cycling in throughout the course of the night. So we 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 do this every four years. We make a big deal out of it. Um, I'll have a couple of Heinekens on ice <laughs> if everything goes well, like we hope it will on election night. We'll uh, we'll celebrate that fact somewhere around twelve oh one. Election nights are some of the longest nights in radio because it could end at nine o'clock or you could be there till midnight or later waiting on the results to come in. So you really don't know what to expect on election nights. Correct. So you you carry the day with a lot of research and a lot of discussion, a lot of what ifs. And then remember the state of Georgia has two senatorial races um, at the exact same time uh, because of Johnny Isaacson stepping down because of the governor's appointment of Kelly Leffler. Um, that side of the aisle has 21. You, you've never seen it before, and you'll never see it again because they've changed the election rules and laws. But there will be 21 people staring you in the face on, on your ballot. And for the people that have voted, it has confused them to no end. 21 names staring them in the face, and you got to pick one. On the other side, with David Perdue, it's John Ossoff and, and himself. Obviously, they went through the, the standard primary process. That, that right there says Georgia is all eyes on Georgia, presidential, plus two senatorial, plus all the rest. Yeah, I early voted, and when I saw all the names, I didn't realize all those people were running. There's so many. Or were alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, actually, 20 of them were all that was left standing up. Uh, the guy, uh, Johnson, out of Bacon, uh, a doctor and somebody had served under, I think, the Trump administration at one point. Um, had withdrawn his name and thrown it, his support behind uh, Doug Collins at that point. My my support still lies behind Kelly Leffler. How many presidential elections have you covered on the radio? Wow. Um, I think I'm in my 34th year. So in in some way, shape, and form, you're, you're part of every single one of them. You can't go through that cycle and not, and, and, uh, not be – Offering that to people that have listened, and I don't care whether that's the music format or, or like I've been or, or talk like I've been doing since 2003. Yeah, your background—you've done pretty much it all in radio. You've been on rock stations, you've DJed. Now you are hosting a talk show. What made you interested in pursuing a career in radio? So radio found me. My my prior life was six and a half years as a loss prevention manager for the Kmart Corporation. And uh, in simple way to make this story simple, I I, uh, I walked in and my, my mother had died of cancer. And when you go back to work, you got 140 employees telling you sorry, and it's kind of a toxic atmosphere. I didn't factor that as my future, so I I, I exited on a Wednesday. Surprised the store manager, surprised the personnel manager. They didn't think I was serious, but I said, I, I, this is toxic for me, and I'm, I'm going to walk out. On that Wednesday night, I played softball every Wednesday with my buddy Jerry Banta, who ran KISS 105 down in, in Gainesville. We hit the field. We started warming up. Somebody said, hey, do you hear Scott walked out today, quit his job, and, and, and walked out? Jerry says, I got work for you tomorrow. So it took five years for me to – jump from a pop station to a rock station and call him for advice and, and say, um, what'd you ever see in me? And, and seasonally I would hire him at Kmart to work the Christmas season. Cause I needed extra eyes, extra people for all the people that would shoplift. 
So I would hire him seasonally so he would have more money for his family around Christmas. And he said, you used to take me to those Kmart parties, and I used to watch you hold court. You'd be storytelling. You'd have 20 people gathered around, and they'd be listening to every word. And somewhere I said, if I could put a KISS 105 in front of that story and a KISS 105 behind that story, I'd have something. And that's it. That's that's why he said, I got work for you tomorrow that, that, that evening. Wow. Uh, great decision to leave Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, and I got out of all, all my stock back then, too. So that was an even better decision. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, how many Kmart uh, locations are left? I don't think there's, boy, if there's any. I keep seeing them say that, hey, the Kmart Sears are doing something. I said, boy, that's been the worst slow bleed I've ever seen in my life. Tear the Band-Aid off. That is just awful. Yeah, when Sears and Kmart merged, I thought to myself, oh, so instead of being two bankrupt companies, they're just going to be one big bankrupt company. Yeah, and there's one big mistake, too. If you remember that every, well, you, you might not be old enough, but every one of us used to wait for the Sears catalog to come out. So the Sears catalog was the Amazon in print, and they just never adjusted. They, they should have been the forerunner. They should have been the guy that made the transit. They, they had the established name, the established product, and they just never made the, made the leap. It's amazing how just a couple of mistakes, and that can be the end of your business or close to Cor- it. Correct. We used to, when I first w- went to work for Kmart, it was early 80s. So we, we thought there was an upstart out there named Walmart. They're just copying us. They're just an upstart. And, and, and whoops. <laughs> Walmart now, though, they're competing with Amazon. So yeah, that's yeah. big competition. They're trying a Walmart Plus service now, similar to Amazon Prime. We'll see what happens there with Walmart. I think when they've been playing that kind of massive catch-up, I think they're actually doing a pretty good job. I, I scoffed at first, but I think they've done a very good job adjusting. They're just too big a powerhouse. The famous last words again, of course, but right. Blockbuster, yeah. Kmart. Yeah. So I'm going to back up just a second and, and tell you that on that, when he said, I got work for you tomorrow, um, it was actually a couple of days later. He, he said, I got work for you on a Wednesday. I went in and interviewed the next day. His, his, uh, the ownership was, was in for, I think they came up from West Palm at the time. So I got to meet them. I got hired. And on that Saturday, they were holding a fundraiser for, um, for three families, and this is a tough story to tell because this is my first exposure to radio, period. Um, somebody was robbing a steak and shake in Gainesville. They took the three employees into the back, into the cooler, and they shot them execution style in the back of the head. So that radio station organized a fundraiser in a local park there in Gainesville, and they had a 30-foot promotional boom box. And, and one of the reasons I also got hired was uh, of the 42 employees at the station, mine and the owner were the only two that had a clean enough driver driving record to drive to tow the, the because of the insurance to tow that 30 foot boom box. So I, I towed it to that site. Jerry met me. We, we set up uh, everything for the remote and 2000 people showed up in that park. So I was sitting in this boom box, looking out on that sea of people and they raised a ton of money for those families. And I said, what a powerful tool. And I've treated it with that kind of respect ever since. That's one of my favorite things about local radio is community. They serve the community. 
local radio can do things that other medium just cannot do. It can really bring people together to fundraise, to help the community. And that's what I really love about local radio. And that's what I really like about locally owned radio, because usually the person that owns the local radio station, they live in the local community like you. And there's not a lot of ownership left at the local level like small town broadcasting. Looking back 2008, that's when you purchased the 92.1 signal in Valdosta. What made you interested in taking the leap from on-air personality to radio station owner? So for the very reason you just mentioned, um, I'd always been associated with somebody who was local ownership. Um, we had a local stake. Um, even when I went to work, uh, left Gainesville, Florida, and came up to Valdosta, it was with Harrison Cooper and same thing, same service. Al Brooks, when we started the rock station, same thing, same mindset, service to community. And then in 2001, um, Al, Al sold his four stations um, for a pretty penny to a Black Crow Media out of Daytona Beach, Florida. So I stayed on to, to operate those stations in 2001. 2004, the ownership, the prime ownership was going through a divorce and things got not fun. They did a big loan with, with a group called GE Capital, got less fun. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting at a boardroom table every Tuesday when they'd come up from Daytona and, and they'd say, all right, who do we cut off at the knees today? Literally out of his mouth. And, and all that was running through my head was, I live here. And all that I'd speak is that that doesn't work. I serve this community. I live in this community. So that was it. it that year was the beginning of the end. I, I, that was about March when things started to go bad. Um, luck, luck would have it. The Wild Adventures theme park was going belly up in bank, uh, into bankruptcy. And the, the ownership of that owned that, that top 92.1 signal they on that radio station separate of the holdings of the park so i was able to start talks with them i was second in line behind a group out of atlanta um, and that group's money didn't materialize and mine was ready on the table so he sold it to me um, and it was actually december of 2007 that i started to operate that station we didn't we closed on it march of 2008 but it was uh it was I started it with not one because it was a park information station for wild adventures. I started it with not one listener and not one dollar on the station. I had to reinvent it, call it talk ninety two one and and hope people a would listen and b would advertise and and that was the beginning that was a big gamble, but it paid off. You now own multiple stations in the area correct. Correct. I, I had uh, I had bought one with cash out of Quitman, Georgia before, and the Black Crow actually let me run that and operate that in the evenings, work my day job, and then I'd go over in the evenings and, and uh, babysit that one as well. So I had two right from the, the beginning, and then I got two more almost simultaneously during the economic meltdown. Uh, my credit was still good when everything in the in the United States was falling apart around 2010. So um, I acquired one for a song, and I built the other from the ground up. I won the uh, license in an FCC auction, and then the, and then it went to the town itself. I had about forty thousand invested in, in the license and, and FCC attorney fees and everything else. And I went to the town that the license was in, and I said, "Listen, I got this. I got this much invested in this thing, but I'm not going to step further." I said, "Unless you guys aid me in some way." And I had done my research and found out that they uh, they 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 mined phosphate out of that town, 
And part of the deal was reclamation money goes into economic development pot. So I knew they had a ton of money um, and they just weren't, they were sitting on it. I met with them probably about five or six times and, and, uh, and, and they ended up assisting me in getting built and set up. And then two favorable leases, one where the station's located for 20 years, free of charge. And one with the, the uh, antennas are, are up a 275 foot tower. And that's a, a tower they owned. And again, same thing, a 20 year uh, free lease on that made it so I could, I could afford to operate down there. Nice. Uh, and those stations serve the community as well. They're local communities, just like 92.1 in Valdosta. Same, same. I, I put somebody in that town to uh, to be the point of contact, but my my show is simulcast on the, the talk station down in Hamilton County as well. So we get into their business and, and uh, invite them into our, into our world. So it's worked out really well. Looking back on your career so far, you've had a lot of fun, unique experiences because sure. of radio. Lars Larson, you uh Guest hosted his show a few months ago, been guest on other national shows as well. Looking back, what are some of your favorite memories from radio? Oh, wow. Um, wading into unfriendly territory and being a, a guest on PBS NewsHour. <laughs> that, that was a, a fun challenge. Um, some, of the, some of the greatest broadcasts I do every year, um, obviously put on hold this year, is every year I go up and broadcast from CPAC. And that's a radio row. That's 85 to 100 radio stations and TV stations separated by a skirting all the way down the, the Gaylord up in, in Washington, D.C. And you have to be knowledgeable enough and, and, and sharp enough that every time a John Bolton or every time these, these top flight guests, authors and otherwise, just walk the row and they present themselves to you. So you're actually, without research, without knowledge, you have to sit them down and, and conduct an interview on the fly. Again, we're doing live radio up there for three hours. So that's a challenge that I take on every year. And then another up in D.C. is called um, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and their radio row called Hold Their Feet to the Fire. And we do the same thing on a two-day concentrated day. That, that one, I'll say a little easier. It's still a challenge, but we actually get a, a list of just A-level guests um, on immigration, elected officials, some celebrities that champion that cause, we schedule them for those two days, probably three an hour for the three hours that I'm on each day. And then you can schedule um, recorded interviews later on as well. And then we, we do that discussion for two days. First class outfit, first class operation. And I'll go as long as they'll have me. I've been six years in a row now and I'll, I'll continue to go as long as they'll have me. That sounds so fun to be in D.C., live on the air from D.C. That's got to be a lot of fun. It, it is a rush, and that's why I continue to do it. That's, that's stepping outside my comfort zone and, and challenging myself, and I do that, I do that to, to entertain the audience, but I do that to challenge myself more than anything else. Valdosta is a South Georgia community, but it's known around the country. A couple of Friday nights ago, I'm watching the Lowndes Valdosta football game on ESPN. Oh, you had to be thrilled about that. And uh, Valdosta State University and their level of excellence carries our name brand as well. So that, that, that's it. I, had to, I was working with a very sharp group just yesterday. We were working on something called One, one, one Valdosta Lounge. Excuse me, I don't want to put it in the wrong order. One Valdosta Lounge, and it's just kind of a community vision. And you've heard about these in other communities, and they work very, very well. As long as everybody's on the same page and you're, then you're getting big wins. You're not getting a whole bunch of small wins. 
So we were working on that, and they were trying to come up with one of the new catchphrases as all-in lounge. And I said, let's tell, I'm telling a group, including the Lowndes County government officials that were in there, let's stop and talk about it. Who are we marketing to? There is a national brand known as Valdosta. There might be a state brand known as Lowndes. I said, but who are we, who are we presenting all this to and why? So I, I tried to remind them of just what you said, that Valdosta name is what people know. Nobody knows Lowndes County. And, and there's multiple Lowndes counties. There's, there's one in, in Illinois near Chicago, too. So, Oh, yeah. Because of football, Valdosta Wildcat football, that's one main reason Valdosta's known across the country. Correct. Winning his, winning his high school program in the nation, period, bar none. Nobody else has that claim. The Wintersville title that uh, ESPN ran, it, it uh, is here forevermore. Excuse me. Um, the uh, title town, excuse me, title town. We, we beat out even Green Bay for that trophy that uh, ESPN showed up to award. Wintersville is always our slogan. Title town is the, uh, the competition ESPN put out there. So, yeah, that, that's football. We'll take it. We'll use that vehicle for the attention, and then you're right. we got to come up with some substance and tell people why they need to, to come here, relocate here, visit here, or otherwise. Well, I always enjoy visiting Valdosta, stopping by, seeing you and other friends. It's, it's, Valdosta is a great community. It's a great place to live, a great place to work, and a great place to visit as well. It, it truly is. Again, I think if I go further back in the career again, it, when I landed here, it was going to be two years um, and then up to a larger market in my meteoric career. But this place has offered me a challenge, and I'll say on that same two-year rhythm, for 30 years. Um, two years in, being named a named a, a program manager. Two years after that, a station manager. Um, going back and repurchasing the station I started with and, and, um, and running those, so a multiple station uh, manager. It was just... It kept giving me that that challenge, um, and then purchasing my first station in 2005, 2007, I purchased the, the uh, exit of that place and purchased the second. It's just, it's held my interest for sure, and uh, it's been a very good career. Well, on that note, I'm going to let you go. You have a city to run. Yeah, thank you. I'm sitting <laughs> at the, uh, the mayor's desk now talking radio. You're right. <laughs> All right, Scott, it's been great uh, catching up with you, having you on the podcast. And you can listen to The Scott James Show every morning on Talk921.com or on the TuneIn radio app. Chad, Dr. Whittle, say hi to your wife. Um, good luck with the baby and, uh, and great spending time with you, buddy. Thanks, Scott. Take care. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Chad Whittle Podcast. Once again, Tip of the cap to Scott James, Mr. Mayor of the City of Aldosta, for coming on the podcast. Until next time, I'm Chad Whittle, and I always appreciate you listening. Subscribe to the Chad Whittle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in, or listen at chadwhittle.com. The Chad Whittle Podcast with Chad Whittle, copyright 2020, all rights reserved.